0: and welcome back to another episode of college hockey talk i'm your host matthew thank you so much for listening and if you are new here please follow us on instagram subscribe to us on apple podcast leave a rating and review and also follow our spotify this helps our podcast grow and i would appreciate it very much and if you're a returning listener thank you so much for coming back i appreciate it very much on today's podcast, we have a very special interview. We have UMass Minutemen captain Jake Godette. This was probably one of the best interviews I've ever done, and I appreciate Jake for coming on because he was the first ever person to agree to come on College Hockey Talk. He was not our first interview we ever did, but he was the first person to agree to come on the show. And UMass is one of my favorite teams to watch in Hockey so it was pretty cool to get a player from the team to come on. He was super nice, and it was an honor to interview him. So, without further ado, here is Jake Godet. Enjoy, everybody. On today's episode, we have rising senior and captain of the UMass Minutemen, Jake Godet. Jake also made the 2019-2020 Hockey East All-Academic team. Welcome to the podcast, Jake, and thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And um, how's quarantine been going for you? And how's it been like to prepare for this upcoming
1: season? Not bad. Not bad. You always kind of find a way, right? So it's not ideal. But uh, first couple months I lived up in my cottage. I was pretty lucky up there. I uh, figured out how to get a squat rack and a bar and heavy weights and stuff. So I was training up there alone. We're lucky to have a great trainer at uh, UMass with a good uh, weightlifting program at home. So I was doing that. I'm back at the gym now, skating again. Uh, In Canada, we've managed COVID, I think, a little better than the U.S., so uh, the whole situation here is not quite as bad. Obviously, it's still serious, but we're lucky to have rinks and gyms open and stuff. So training now kind of in August and in July has been, been pretty good. So starting to get ready for the season and heading back to uh, UMass sometime mid-August. So we're hoping Hockey East gets to play. I think they announced that the other day, and we're waiting to kind of hear the start date.
0: Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, you're gonna, you were just named captain of the team. What was it like to get that honor, and how did you find out?
1: Uh, Coach Carvell gave me a call uh, a couple months back. I knew kind of before it got announced publicly, but it's it's a huge honor. It's you know we we came in or my freshman class came into the program uh, the year after we were a five-win team. So you know my recruiting when I met with Carvey, he basically said, you know we're gonna we're gonna turn this program around, and we need character kids to come in and, and help us with that kind of mission. You know we've done a pretty good job so far of that. And, Open to basically contribute and, and continue to, to lead our program in the right direction.
0: Now, last year you had two great captains and Nico Hildenbrand and Mitchell Chafee. What did you learn from them and how are you going to use what they led to your captaincy this year?
1: Yeah, I think they do a great job kind of just leading by example. The way they play, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to, to follow them when they, when they play the way they are. Nico blocks as many shots as you could ever ask for. He's like the best penalty kill guy ever. Same with Chafe, Chafe's burying guys, he plays the right way. And, and you know when they need to, they're not afraid to, to speak up in the locker room and kind of lead by example that way. So, you know, if I could be uh, similar captains to them, I'd be happy and I'm hoping to kind of build on the legacy that they've left and, and go from there.
0: Now, you're um, preparing to play Northeastern in the Hockey quarterfinals before everything got canceled. Where did you find out and what was the reaction in the
1: locker room like? Yeah, that whole week, it was kind of crazy, right? Everything was building up with the uh, coronavirus. And it started like two weeks before that. It was kind of like you hear a little bit of rumblings. And then it got kind of more serious and more serious and more serious. And I think the day before everything got canceled, we had a meeting with Carve. And he was kind of like, you know, right now there's no fans. Don't know if that'll even happen. But, you know, the way our kind of culture and our team's built, we're going to prepare like we're playing until they literally tell us that the game's canceled. So that's kind of what we were doing. I remember the morning maybe the afternoon before we were headed to practice like on Thursday so our game was Friday we were hosting it and uh, we were headed to practice we kind of got a text from other people saying that uh, their friends on other teams had heard that everything shut down we went to the rink we kind of knew that was happening and we had a, a meeting with coach Carbell all the coaches and basically found out that everything was canceled we were pretty much headed home the next week
0: and um, how hard it was it to know that your seniors played their last game in UMass Jersey?
1: Really hard. And I think at the time, you kind of don't really know, right? There's rumors going around where it's like, maybe they'll get a year back, maybe they won't. So it wasn't like a set date, but it's it's really hard. Like those guys, Jack Suter, Jake McLaughlin, Nico Hildenbrand, those are like some of the core guys on our team. So for them not to really even get the chance to lose was almost more difficult. Like losing sucks, but then not even having that opportunity is almost worse. So it, it, I feel for them, you know, they're all lucky. They've got the chance to continue playing hockey. I think Jack signed, same with Glocks. I'm not sure what Nico's going to do, but we're hoping to hear from that soon. So, you know, I think they'll they'll continue, but it's obviously displaying to not really give them the chance to, to go out on top.
0: Now let's move on on a more positive note. Before UMass, you played for the Kempville 73s where you had 49 points one year. What was that experience like for you playing in Kempville?
1: Yeah, it was great. I mean, you know, a lot of junior guys live with billets and kind of have to grow up at an an early age. I was pretty lucky. I I actually only played – I played when I was 18, 19, and 20 in Kempville, and I was fortunate to live at home. So for me, I didn't have to adjust to to billets or anything like that. It was a bit of a commute. Uh, But it was great. I loved it. And there's not a ton of exposure compared to, you know, the USHL. But there is, you know, there's a lot of guys that do end up going to play college hockey. So to go through that process, I was a bit of a late bloomer. Um, and then at 18, to kind of figure out junior hockey, I loved it. It was, it was a blast. We had a, group, a really great group of guys, great coach. Um, and to kind of go through the process and figure out how to get better and adapt. And then obviously figure out how to translate that into getting recruited to play college hockey.
0: Yeah, and talk about your recruiting process and why did you end up choosing UMass Amherst? Because at the time, it wasn't known as a big hockey school than it is now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So actually, the year I got recruited was my 20-year-old, my overager season. Um, I actually broke my ankle. Seven games in, I broke uh, my fibula. I had to get an ankle surgery, a high ankle sprain, everything. So luckily, I had talked to UMass at the start of that year. Um, I had a couple other good options left. And I remember meeting with Coach Carvel it was you know to me it really resonated with me you wanted to change the culture they uh, had all the tools in place and the resources at UMass to do that they just needed you know kids to come in and and help them do that and for me I was really excited to get in kind of on the ground level of turning a program around to to national success so for me that it was a it was a no-brainer and then to have uh, a pretty good academic program and a business school there as well was, was icing on the cake
0: now talk about Coach Carvell and what's it like to play under him and what's he's like as a coach and as a person?
1: Yeah he's intense he's intense you know he wants you to be the best version of yourself and he pushes you hard but you know I didn't I didn't go to school to just kind of be the same person I wanted to evolve and develop as a player and and all that so he, he's awesome he uh, from a game plan and a hockey strategy standpoint I, everything he does is is smart and it's it's spot on and from a culture standpoint, you know, he's always pushing our team to, to elevate to new levels and, you know, I'm super happy that I'm playing for him. What was
0: the biggest adjustment you
1: had to make going into college hockey? Well, there's a lot of things. I think uh, it's hard, especially from the CCHL, there's not like I didn't have a ton of friends that were playing at the college level. So I kind of went in a little bit blind, but I think like UMass did a great job and we had a huge freshman class. So we were kind of all doing the same thing together, right? Um, But in terms of the hockey itself, there's speed. It's definitely a lot faster. Uh, The game plan is more strict. So your team's playing a specific kind of, you know, set neutral zone breakout or defense or whatever. So kind of adjusting to that and the coaching and it being just more intense and more physical, um, I would say would definitely be the biggest challenges.
0: Now, talk about playing at the Mullen Center. Obviously, I think in my opinion, UMass has the best student section in the NCAA. What's it like to play under them and playing in the Mullen Center, and what's the best chant you've heard from the student section?
1: Yeah, it's it's awesome. I love it. It's obviously it's massive. It seats like 8,500, I think. So I mean, we've only had it like packed to capacity a couple times, and those are the games that I remember just like it's an electric factor in there. It's wild. Uh, but yeah, the student section is awesome. They're always packed. I remember we used to have uh, the Sons of Liberty. Were awesome. My first two years, like they've graduated out now, but uh, they were hilarious. They'd always have signs. They'd be chanting all the time. They were they were a riot to play in front of. And you'd always, you know, you're not really looking at the jumbotron and you're playing, but every once in a while, you'd see them up there just doing outrageous thing. So they were they were really fun to play in front of.
0: Now, in your freshman season, your team made it to the quarterfinals, beating Vermont. What was that experience like for you? And then going into Northeastern and that whole first Hockey East playoff experience?
1: Yeah, it was cool. It's obviously different than junior hockey, right, where you're playing seven-game series and stuff like that. So I think it was the best of three against Vermont, which is pretty cool. We uh, we blew up game two. We ended up having to uh, We lost in overtime. And then game three, we kind of put all the pieces together. And I think as a young team, it was important for us to – to go through that process and then even to go in and play a really good team in northeastern we played a rock solid game we ended up losing game one but just to kind of see how we stacked up against a really solid team like northeastern i think helped us the following year to understand what we needed to do in playoffs to to make it to the next level
0: now obviously i have to talk about your sophomore year you made the historic run to the national championship game but talking about the regular season, there was one game in particular I remember watching and I actually was at the game. It was a game against BC. We were down 2-0 and you guys scored three goals to get the lead. And then you BC scored a late goal in the third period to tie it up. And then Jake McLaughlin obviously scored that goal in the last second to win the game. And I feel like that's when people started to realize UMass had a chance to be really successful in the tournament. So talk about that game and that whole regular season.
1: Yeah, that whole year. I remember going in, you're kind of looking around in practice, you're like, wow, we were, I remember we were pretty crisp like early on in practice. Um and we I knew like right away we had a chance to really be a solid team. And then, you know, we ended up having a lot of wins where we'd score in like with a minute left. You know, we beat Providence, I think, twice in October. Um, and then that BC game you talked about was was amazing. And you could kind of just feel the momentum was going in our way. Um and I think the coaching staff did a great job. Like we were always kind of just focused on the next game, right? You're not really the media stuff's cool like to be ranked and stuff like that but as soon as as soon as you get a ranking you realize it doesn't like change anything at all I mean you're still just playing hockey you have to beat the team the next weekend right so we were we did a pretty good job I thought of of kind of turning that all to the side and just focusing on playing but going through that whole year and kind of gaining you know win after win and, and it's it's you know you hear it from other guys winning fixes everything right it's so much fun to win and to be a part of a team that went on a run like that was was awesome And something we we hope to do again this year.
0: Now before the national tournament you played against Boston College in the hockey semifinals where you had a, you struggled a bit you lost that game what was the message heading into the national tournament after that loss?
1: Yeah that was brutal <laughs> it was no fun at all it was a total stinker of a game just felt like nothing really went our way we weren't fully prepared um and I like, guess the only thing you can do is take positives out of it. So going into the tournament the following weekend or weekend after, I can't really remember, we kind of narrowed down our game plan to, you know, five things we really need to do to be successful. And it, in a way, it was kind of a wake-up call, and I think it helped us going into the tournament.
0: And um, playing in those two games against Notre Dame and Harvard, Mario Ferrara had a great series against both those games. Talk about playing in those regional tournaments and winning that and going into the Frozen Four
1: yeah it was it was wild it's one of the coolest things I've been a part of especially that game in Notre Dame um yeah I mean even the whole experience just being at the tournament you hear about it for so long right that's the goal and then to show up and finally be there and play like pretty successful historic programs like Harvard and Notre Dame um was was really cool experience and you know you mentioned Mario Ferraro he's he was a bonafide leader for us he's one guy that you know he works so hard he works harder than anybody I've ever encountered and it's something that he's a guy I look up to and I try and embody so to see him have success both those weekends and and really succeed the next year and make the NHL was was pretty motivating
0: and playing against Denver in that frozen four game marked out guys scored the overtime winning goal what were the emotions you were feeling when you found out you were going to the national championship game
1: yeah, I've watched the video of that uh, that shot from the blue line a couple times, and like to be honest, it was such a whirlwind. Like I kind of came around from behind the net. I was lucky to be on the ice, and I remember watching him shoot and kind of turning, and you see the puck at the net, and then the next twenty seconds from there it was just like I don't really even remember. It was just chaos, but it was cool. It's one of probably my favorite hockey memory by a mile. Just the uh, kind of the buzz and the excitement from our whole team to get to go to the big dance. Uh, was pretty cool it's something i'll never forget
0: what was that whole frozen four experience like not just playing in the games but the whole like setup
1: yeah the whole setup was crazy so we uh you know we're fortunate to get treated pretty well as a program but when you get to go to the frozen four it's it's on another level so we uh we were really fortunate to we had a chartered flight to buffalo and i've told this story before to, to a bunch of people but we got on the, this plane, right. And all of a sudden you're on like, it's not a commercial plane. You got some leg room, you know, you got some nice seats, like you're getting treated pretty well. And we're like halfway in the air and we get like this smell going around. Guys are kind of looking up over the seats. Like, does that, does that smell like cookies? It smells like cookies. And sure enough, someone's walking around, right. With these like fresh chocolate chip cookies, like fresh out of the oven glasses of milk. I'm like, wow, like this is pretty cool. And we landed and we had like a police escort all through uh, Buffalo to get to our hotel. So the way you're treated that whole weekend was was wild it was pro style like that's kind of what we were saying it was it was pretty cool and even uh, the one thing though we we, before the game at Denver I remember we skated out for warm-ups and uh, whoever was organizing the tournament didn't put any pucks out for the opening game so it was like you know you're in the frozen four you're in this like wild, really competitive game you like work so hard to get there and then you show up and it's like there's no pucks for warm up. So it was almost like it kind of broke the tension where we're laughing about that. And then the bucks finally come out and you, you know, go through the whole process.
0: Now, unfortunately, you, your team lost to Minnesota Duluth. What would you take away from that game and that whole championship run?
1: Yeah, I, th- I thought, you know, it's obviously frustrating to lose. They're a really well-established program. They obviously had been there before. They had the experience. So you kind of have to figure out how to take some positives out of it. You know, it was cool to get there. But, for us, it kind of gave us a a starting point and then somewhere to to aim for next year, like you know my last year, we'd love to get back there and obviously come home with with some hardware
0: now there's one player I do want to talk to you about, and that's Cal McCarr. he's obviously a superstar now. um what was it like to play with him and what was he like as a person as well?
1: Yeah, great guy, phenomenal hockey player, great person like I'm still really good friends with him to this day um you know wish him nothing but the best I'm not surprised at all the success he's had in the NHL I've never seen a defenseman get so many breakaways in college hockey it's incredible his uh, like just acceleration from a dead stop is way above anything I've ever seen before but you know as a person can't say enough good things about him really happy he's had the success he has
0: now I don't know if you saw this photo but the photo of him eating kale in the NHL bubble I just gotta get your reaction on that because I thought it was hilarious
1: yeah i got a kick out of that i think i put that up on my instagram story too i think uh just from talking to him he gets uh, ribbed pretty good from the uh, the avalanche guys just with the kale and all sorts of stuff like that and i think he uh he was on the nhl page last year just making a kale smoothie or something like that but it was pretty funny we called him the uh at UMass. he was a snack bandit you know nine o'clock rolls around kale would be knocking on other guys rooms and he'd come in you know check your check your pantry, look for a granola virus or anything going on. He was pretty funny with that stuff.
0: Now, do you think he deserves to win rookie of the year over Quinn Hughes?
1: I think so. I think so. <laughs> I'm a little biased, but uh, just watching him play, it's, it's phenomenal. It seems step into the NHL and, you know, be a difference maker right away.
0: Now, I want to talk about this season. What was it playing this season like with the target on your back? Because obviously a lot of the hockey teams knew how good you guys were. And they are coming in with mentally prepared and ready to knock you guys out of the ranking. So what was it like to have that target on your back and playing this season overall?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, this season and probably the second half of the season before, that's kind of what we had to deal with. You know, it's really motivated. We experienced that in my first year where, you know, you're always extra motivated to come in and, and be a good team that's ranked. And it's a way to kind of prove yourself. So we were on the other end of that, obviously, the last year and a half. And it's different. You talk a lot, like we do a lot of kind of reading on different leadership strategies and trying to figure out how to build our culture and when you have success that's when you know you have to double down and you have to figure out ways to keep that going you know if you're successful other teams are going to catch up you have to figure out how to distance yourself all the time so for us that's something we struggled with a little bit you know there's no bad teams in college hockey you know anyone can beat anyone on any night but you have to figure out just how to make sure that you're playing to your standard Like, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to play UMass hockey and we're going to compete 100%. And when we do that and we play our game, you know, I think we can beat anybody. So that's kind of the mentality we've developed and had to have, especially now when, you know, teams are coming in a little more motivated.
0: Now, there's one game last year I want to talk to you about in particular was the game against UConn. You guys were – I think like five guys were hurt during that game. So what was it like to be on a short bench and beat a good team like UConn? Because they were on a hot run. I think they won like five games before that before that and they upset you guys in their own barn. So just talk about that game.
1: Yeah, yeah, that game was cool. Um, it almost brings you back to like minor hockey when you're playing with three lines. It's like we had a super short bench. Guys are exhausted, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, you got to find a way to win. And good teams find ways to win games even when, you know, they maybe not have all the statistics on paper in their favor and I think that game was pretty cool. You know, we were short and uh, found a way to make it happen, so yeah.
0: And there's one other player I want to talk to you about, and that's John Leonard. He's obviously going to be in the San Jose Sharks organization this year. What's What was he like as a teammate and a player? And do you think he had the best hands in college hockey? And do you think he was robbed of a Hobie Baker award this year?
1: I think so, yeah. I think, you know, of all the people that uh, kind of were short-sticked a little bit with COVID, I think John was one of them. I think if, if we went into playoffs the way he was playing the last, you know, month even, he was unbelievable. He was, you know, he scored like two <laughs> couple goals a game almost um, just offensive talent. And to be with him when he came in as a freshman to see him grow, like as a person and as a player over the last three years, it was pretty special to the point now where, you know, he could almost do anything he wanted with the puck out there. He was, he works harder in the summer. He skates more than, than anyone I know. His, his work ethic's obviously paid off and I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a chance with San Jose next year or the year after.
0: And you obviously have a good goalie pan- tandem with Matt Murray and Philip Lindbergh. What have they meant to your team and what's it like to have two solid goalies in that any given night?
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's a little difficult at times for our coaches to make a decision between who to put in the net you know, on any given night. But that's obviously a good problem to have. <laughs> and I think having two good goalies motivates both of them to, to elevate their game and be better. So it's, it's, it's great. You know, we, we play hard and we know that they've got our back in that.
0: And uh, you had the opportunity to participate in the Columbus Blue Jackets development camp, as well as your hometown, Ottawa Sanders. What were those experiences like for you getting to play in with NHL competition?
1: Yeah, it was really cool. I think especially Ottawa coming out of juniors and getting to go there before I went to UMass was really cool. But anytime you get to see an NHL facility and kind of, train against you know high draft picks and really elite players kind of use that as a measuring stick for where your game needs to improve and where you need to to be better in order to reach that level so anytime you get that opportunity is really cool and, and I enjoyed both of those experiences a lot especially Ottawa kind of growing up as a Sens fan you know you, you follow the team you follow the draft picks for so many years and then all of a sudden to kind of be in their locker room and see those guys face to face and be on the ice with them was pretty cool.
0: Now, I heard in Ottawa Development Camp, they have an axe-throwing competition. Were you involved with that, and what was it like?
1: I think that was the year after I went there. Uh, Uh, The year I was there, they had – it was actually a really cool experience. They had uh, the Canadian Special Forces come in. They had, like, a staged kind of hostage event when they had a cold breakdown after we had to sit at a table with – the guy I managed to get a table with was uh, a sniper in the Canadian Elite Special Forces and just kind of hearing how they deal with stress and their leadership strategies and stuff like that it was pretty cool to to hear from him.
0: Now, what are some of your goals for next year personally for UMass?
1: Yeah, I'm, we want to win as a team. You know, we uh, we want to get back to national stage and, and win some hardware and kind of we talk a lot about leaving the jersey in a better place than you found it. So that's that's my focus. And personally, you know, I want to just play good hockey, help our team win, I think. You see it when we went to the, the national championship when winning fixes everything. And I think, you know, if we can get team success and I can play my game, then maybe some opportunities will come out of that. What would your advice be to younger players trying to make division one college hockey? Yeah, I think you just got to focus on on yourself. The biggest thing for me, I was trying to, I was almost competing with myself every day, trying to figure out ways to to make yourself better and don't necessarily compare yourself to other players. There's going to be guys that are committed that are kind of hotshot prospects, and you can't really let that bother you. I found – I think if you just block out all the outside kind of pressures and expectations you figure out how to make yourself a better hockey player, they're going to find you. The college uh, scouts are really solid, and, you know, if you turn yourself into a college-caliber player, they're going to figure out how to get you on their campus.
0: Now, what NHL player currently would you compare yourself to or try to model your game after?
1: It's a good question. I always loved uh, Mike Fisher growing up. He played for Ottawa. He was kind of a uh, defensive, like solid defensive player, solid offensive player, hit people. He kind of played the game the right way. Um, I'd love to play a little more like Patrice Bergeron. I think I'd have to figure out how to score a few more goals, but I think he's a really good two-way center as well. I have a lot of respect for the way he plays the game.
0: What's your favorite road arena to play in in college hockey?
1: That's a good question. Um
0: there's a lot of them
1: out there, especially with hockey. east. So you get like BC, BU, all those rinks. I think my favorite, probably, uh, I'd say Lowell or Providence. I just feel like those games are a war. I love to play physical hockey, and those are two of the most physical teams. They're always fun games to play.
0: Now we're getting to the segment I call the non-hockey questions. We're asking some non-hockey questions. And obviously, UMass has known for the best dining hall in the country, my sister goes there. She says Burke is the best dining hall, but I want to get your opinion. What is the best dining hall at UMass?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, best people watching at Burke for sure. I like ham. It's kind of a little on the, the healthier side. You get some, uh, some of the athlete foods in there. Um, shout out to Joanne. She's our omelet lady. She uh, hooks the boys up with omelets all the time. But yeah, at UMass, we're, we're really lucky to have pretty solid food.
0: Now, what's your favorite class in college?
1: Ooh, um, one of our mentors, I guess, with our team is a really great guy, Dr. Richard Haljan. He's actually been in a few NHL articles, I think, with Kale, because Kale is pretty close with him. But he teaches a class called Abnormal Psychology, which is fascinating. He is a clinical psychologist, so he uses the case studies and people he's seen to kind of teach theories alongside real experiences that he's had. So I love that class. I took it freshman year and last year and this year as well. Actually, I'm going to be a teaching assistant for that class. So that's my favorite for sure.
0: What's your favorite outdoor activity? Because I know you like to farm and to fish.
1: Yeah, fishing for sure. It's been a lifelong passion of mine. I've caught many fish and I I plan to catch many more. I, I love it. And we're lucky at UMass to have some pretty good rivers there to fly fish and stuff. So I can always escape on a Sunday and kind of avoid studying a little longer.
0: Now, what songs do you listen to that pumps you up before a game?
1: Oh, good question. Um, I'm a big classic rock guy. Um, so Matt Murray and I, we used to drive to games all the time. And we'd fire up some some classic rock, little ACDC, Molly Crew stuff like that. And then once you get in the room, you kind of get to the majority of the team likes the rap and kind of the more traditional hockey bump-up songs. But I like the, uh, the ACDC and stuff in the car.
0: Now I have to ask you who makes the UMass hockey warm-up? because I'm listening to it on SoundCloud. It's probably the best in the country. Do you think that's the best warm up music in the country or was there any other rotor rinks that had some good ones?
1: Uh, I don't know about other rinks. I know ours is solid. I love it. We actually have a friend, a uh, friend of the program who, uh, who put it together for us and uh, it's pretty good, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know about other teams. I'm trying to think, I think UNH has a pretty good one. Um, I remember when we played Union, I always remember them having a pretty good uh, walkout song, but nothing really stands out. You kinda, it's so repetitive when you go through the road game process that it's hard to really even take it in sometimes.
0: And uh, who is the funniest player on your team?
1: (laughs) We have a lot of really funny guys on our team, we're lucky. Uh, Kurt Keats, he's graduated now, but he's one of the best guys I've played with in terms of just always having a one-liner ready. Uh, Right now, I'd say probably Colby Baguera on our team. He's a riot. He's a really fun guy. I'm actually living with him in our house next year, so it's going to be a fun time.
0: Who has the best style on the team?
1: That's style. Um, probably Colby Baguera, again. Just, yeah, just a, a great guy all around. Uh, George Mika, also. He, uh, he's got some good style going on. There's a ton of guys, but uh, those two would be my pick.
0: If you could have lunch with anyone in the world, who would it be?
1: um i don't know that's a good question um i love joe rogan i listen to his podcast all the time he'd be a pretty cool person to sit down and talk to or even just to get guests through him i love listening to. i listen to his podcast in juniors all the time and i feel like i've listened to so many interesting people just from listening to his podcast joe rogan's up there um trying to think Barack Obama was on my list. He'd be a fascinating person to kind of sit down and have a conversation with. I, I feel like I could put together a list of 100, but those two off the top of my head It probably up there.
0: I listened to one Joe Rogan podcast. It was with this guy named Tom DeLong, who was like a UFO specialist, and it was very interesting in my opinion. So I got to listen to more episodes.
1: Yeah, yeah he's cool. He's got a, a good kind of variance of guests on there. You get some really serious kind of scientific um, – people that are on the cutting edge of kind of nutrition and, and different things like that. But I just I love listening to, you know, I've listened to Jocko Willing, David Goggins. He's a lot of leadership, kind of military style leadership uh, guests that are on. And here and their approach on different things, I think, has kind of opened my eyes to how I approach performing at an elite level.
0: Now my last non-hockey question for you is what's your favorite thing about UMass that
1: isn't hockey related? Really uh just the like <laughs> Bit of a cliche answer I think just the vibe the people around the campus is really fun it's not in a city so it's kind of a college town right we have 30,000 students um you meet a ton of people and I think just kind of the the culture around the campus is a lot of fun it's really fun to be a part of and to be a successful hockey team with a lot of fans are really fortunate and it's fun to be a part of it.
0: Now what's your favorite hockey memory you have so far since you have so many?
1: Um <laughs> Probably the Mark Del Geizo Frozen Four goal. Honestly, that was that was an unbelievable experience to be a part of. Um, so I'd say that for sure. And then in, when I was in juniors, winning, uh, we won a couple of playoff series. And anytime you win a playoff series, it's it's really rewarding. I think they're both Game Six or Game Seven. Those are pretty cool moments too. Now, what's your prediction for the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs? Uh, Cale McCarr, yeah, <laughs> Avalanche all the way. I don't know. I don't watch a ton of hockey you know we're pretty uh, when it's mid-season we're pretty focused on hockey it's almost like system overload and the time you get home it's nice just to to go to bed but it's nice having it in the summer where you can watch it and you can kind of really dive in so obviously it's fun to watch KO and you know be, uh, they've got a pretty good team on the Avalanche they're a ton of fun to watch I didn't realize how good uh, Nathan McKinnon was until we started watching kind of the Avalanche games.
0: No, I know Mitchell Chapey Sound with the Wild. Will he be playing with them for the NHL bubble?
1: I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to give away any secrets either. I honestly have no idea.
0: Now, before we let you go, do you have any shout-outs you'd like to make before we let you go?
1: Oh, uh, good question. Shout-out to, uh, to Veggie, Colby Viguera. um, the rest of the the UMass boys. I don't really know. I did not uh, have any shout-outs prepared, but... <laughs> Anyone I know out there, you know, shout out to them. Like car Yeah, Kale obviously. Mario.
0: Who makes the omelets again? Joanne. Joanne, shout Joanne. out to her yeah.
1: yeah, she actually retired this summer, so shout out to Joanne.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jake, for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Good luck next year, and I hopefully get to see you guys play sometime soon.
1: Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. It's fun to be on.
0: Once again, I just want to say thank you to Jake for taking time out of his busy schedule and coming on our podcast and talking a little bit about his college hockey experience. I appreciate very much, and I wish him all the best for next year. He's going to do fantastic. Um, That'll do it for the podcast. I appreciate uh, people listening. It means a lot to me, and... There is, there is a new Spotify page and Apple Podcast page if you haven't noticed, but if there's someone who's looking for it, please tell them to reach out to our Instagram so we can send them the links, or you can use uh, the Instagram bio, that the link for Apple Podcasts is on that, but if you listen to it on Spotify, just reach out to our Instagram so we can send you the link to that if you can't find it or if someone you know can't find the page. Um, no news in college hockey so that'll about do it for the podcast so i'll see you guys next time have a great week and yeah should be fun peace